Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, hone your message, and make an impact on the world. Today's episode is brought to you by the word feedback, specifically the sharing of evaluative or corrective information about an action, event, process, product, or person's performance often used as the basis for improvement. Giving and receiving feedback is essential to camera readiness. And here to discuss is returning podcast champion, Alan Ibbotson, who gave us a masterclass on resilience in his episode six appearance on Camera Ready and Able. Alan, if you haven't heard episode six already, is a changeologist, leadership and emotional intelligence coach, founder of the Trampoline Group, keynote speaker on culture change, EQ, leadership and resilience, and the host of YDAF, wisdom you didn't ask for, an all around amazing human. Welcome back, Alan. Barbara, hi. I, I, you know, I love and adore you. And so this is just such a fabulous excuse to get to see you. And you're such a gift to the audience. So I was really thrilled when you chose feedback because I love this topic. It can be a struggle for many of us, but learning to give and receive feedback is a game changer. And um, I think a hallmark of leadership, actually. But when I was growing up, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, the general feeling was that feedback was synonymous with negative reviews. Um, But you say there is no such thing as negative feedback. It's all help. So explain that. Well, this is one of my pet topics, Barbara. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this one. I do talk about it a lot, of course, in our leadership workshops, in all sorts of organizations. And I have to say that when we have this conversation, you can see the light bulbs going on. So if somebody comes to you and says, I want to give you some feedback, what is the first thing that comes to mind? So the gremlin in me goes, "Uh oh, (laughs) right. Um, But but the mature creative in me goes, this is great because you know what? It's such a gift. It's so rare that we even get feedback anymore. Same. I feel the same way. But for most of us, when we hear that phrase, I want to give you some feedback, what we automatically go to is criticism and a bad experience. Or we think that we're going to be shamed or hold over the coals or you know, whatever it, it, it might be, it's not going to be a great experience. And we've come to associate the word feedback with something negative. And I think that we have to reclaim the word. I am all about reclaiming the word. And I don't want to call it anything silly like feed forward like some people do. I get it, right? It's about development. But it's feedback. And feedback should be a positive thing. So if you are giving somebody feedback, what are you doing? You're trying to help them be better. You're trying to help them grow. Uh, that's assuming that you're not, you know, a complete asshole and actually trying to, you know, demean. Like if it's really feedback, if you're not just being critical and you actually have the intent to to help them, that's what it is. And then we also get into these um, phrases like, negative feedback 
which my head explodes when I hear that phrase, negative feedback. I want to banish the term from our vocabulary because it's not like people say to you, I'd love to give you some negative help. Right? There's no such thing as negative help and feedback is help. So how can feedback be negative, right? So most of us will, would say, if, I, if I'm in a room and I say to people, how many of you would like, uh, like to receive constructive criticism about your work? Every hand will go up. We all want it, right? We all want to get better and better at what we do. And feedback is a part of that. So my contention is, you know, essentially that if we just get rid of this idea that feedback is negative and that actually it's help, then we will show up to the conversation differently. We'll bring a different energy to it. And also when we're receiving feedback, we will bring a different energy to the way that we listen, understanding that people are there to help. So, you know, part, I, there's a lot of bad feedback going on. There's a lot of people who are demotivated. There's people leaving so-called toxic bosses many of whom don't know how to do this, don't know how to give feedback in a way that motivates people and actually helps them improve their performance and makes them feel supported. You can give people constructive criticism and have them walk away feeling really grateful, energized, and motivated from the experience. And that's a sign of a good leader. And I want every leader to be doing that. Amen to all that. There's so much I want to uh, dive into there, Alan, because one, for both of us, it's an essential part of coaching to people who've come up through in sports. That is an essential part of coach. I mean, great coaches. That's the point is you literally have to get feedback on, on your technique and what you're doing. And if your goal is, you know, to improve or win championships, that's it essentially, but also like actually, you know, specifically in the camera ready space, whether you're going out to be a, a public speaker, but also in acting uh, in any kind of, you know, collaboration and any kind of the creative side, it's synonymous with quote unquote notes. You get notes on your work. That's feedback. Love mm -hmm. this. Don't love this, right? It's essential. So one thing for anybody listening, the ability to take feedback can make or break getting a job, right? Because it's part of the audition process, part of the job interview process. So, and we, so we, you know, at least for the on-camera side, we look for that. We give notes. Another word would be direction. Can you take direction? Are you listening? Can you make adjustments in real time? So that's really important. And then the flip side of that, obviously, and we both come from our, you know, history at MTV networks where I got amazing training from Alan Ibbotson. Um, but was the idea that, you know, people get promoted up and they're never taught how to give feedback. Like your reward for being really talented is now you're a manager and you're expected to give people reviews, but we, we skipped over the part that we taught you how to do that. Well, I love everything that you just said. And I agree. I think that there are two sides to this, right? One is your ability to accept feedback. I think if you have the ability not to take things personally, which is about understanding, you know, the goals, someone's, in, you know, intention, your own self-regard, right? Having a healthy self-regard is all tied to you being able to receive feedback well. But the majority of the issue, I think, is really in our ability collectively to have what we might call courageous conversations mm. and give feedback. And there's a million books written on it. And there's one called Radical Candor, for instance, which is a fantastic book 
But I've got to say, why does Canada need to be radical? I mean, it sounds like it was named by a focus group at Fox News or something. Like, what the hell is going on? Why are we calling Canada radical? Canada should be a good thing. Canada should be normal. Canada should be what we're... We're essentially talking about just being honest with each other in a way that's, you know, that's helpful and meaningful and specific. And that's what we want, you know, from feedback. And there are definite skills to being able to do this. Emotional intelligence is key. Your ability to be empathic, your ability to understand perhaps why somebody did something the way that they did and, you know, uh, understand what you might be able to do to sort of help redirect them, coach them, etc. But if people don't feel that you have their back, in other words, they only hear from you when it's quote unquote bad news, then the trust level is not going to be there. Mm -hmm. Because I don't feel like you have my back. If the only time you ever come to me is when you've got something critical to say. If you're not noticing the 95% of my job that I'm, you know, knocking out of the park and the relationships that I've built and the product that I've built or whatever it might be, if you're not noticing that and commenting on that, then you're really just in this for yourself. You're not actually interested in me. And when you're giving me feedback, it's because something about whatever happened has, is inconvenient for you. And it's not really about me and my development, which is what feedback should be about. If you're a leader and you're responsible for people, you have to understand that you're responsible for their development and for their growth. And we have so many leaders right now who are attached to power, positional power, rather than being rooted in individual personal and emotional strength. Because if you root your dialogue with your people in emotional wisdom and strength and empathy and compassion and understanding, then you are going to be more effective, have better relationships, and people are going to be more open to what it is you have to say. Mm. I want to add to that. People are going to be more loyal. In a world where yeah. you know people are, um, I don't know if it's fair to say jumping ship, but we have obviously the great resignation is you know, alive and kicking right now. And if you want yeah. to get people to stay, show up for your people and talk to them. I want to ask you when, when did you learn to accept feedback? Did you have experience like, do you know, was it a Wednesday and you realized, you know, growing up I was this and then this amazing thing happened and I was <laughs> like, oh, I saw the light myself. Mm -hmm. I think it was when I was, went to work at British Airways and I went through a, you know, a long training program. I was on the phones like, Hello, booking Concord, all that stuff, right? And so they put you through this extensive training program that goes on for like three months. And every day you were given feedback about how you were doing. It was just like a tsunami of feedback every day. So it was a little overwhelming at first, but I kind of got, got used to it. Um, and then eventually I went to work in training and development. And of course, you know, with that, I was I was went through like a train the trainer and I was running programs really for the first time. And I was very young. So I had great bosses and people around me who were just constantly giving me feedback, right? But what they knew was that they also had to motivate me. So I had to know what I was doing well, not just what you know I was messing up. And so they did a really great job of making sure that I understood what I needed to keep doing and you know, helping me understand how I could be more effective as a trainer. So I would say it was 
you know, in my early 20s, in, in a professional sense, at least. We, we've talked about this, you know, privately a lot, but I, you know, I started my career in the music business and I was surrounded by legendary screamers who had their equivalents in the movie business. And sadly, I mean, these people still exist, certainly in television production and all around us, which is shocking all these years later. So for, so I did, I mean, I had the, the, the war wound PTSD of someone who really just, you, you know, got screwed up all day long, you know, the wrong coffee, let alone the wrong something serious and never, never, you know, bravo, well done, Barb, until I got to, you know, MTV networks and the investment in the employees. And suddenly it was this notion of getting notes. And I actually can talk, I mean, I, even as I'm talking about this with you, Alan, I can feel the tension slipping away where I went to suddenly it was like, oh, I'm just getting notes. Wait, you like what I'm doing? Now you're just telling me how to do it better. Wow. And now you're sending to me to some wild, amazing training off campus. This is incredible. So um, for anyone who's never had it, it, that's an amazing thing. And if you've only dealt with screamers, I want you to know that like, that's not the way forward. And by the way, I just have to pause. Feed forward is one of the funniest things I've heard all day. (laughs) So part of that is one I think there's also a paradigm culture shift, and I started to touch upon it a second ago, which is the idea of we want to retain employees and also just where the world is in the shift, because depending on where you're coming from, there is an old school, and it, I just feel outdated, like leading by fear yep. and clinging to power. There's a ton of data. You and I are not making this up, that that is not a winning strategy. It doesn't. It is counterproductive. It loses you money in the long run. And, um, and the training is available for everyone. So, but so in like sort of a highlights level, what is sort of for somebody who needs to take a crash course in the next, you know, 20 minutes, what are some ways that we, we go wake up blink of an eye and suddenly I've embraced being able to give feedback? I'm, I'm going to make it really simple. You give feedback like you care. And as you know, Barbara, I am a trainer. And so everything's an acronym or one of those little <laughs> judgy label boxes that you can put people in and feel really biased. But let's stick with the acronym for now. Um, So yeah, you give feedback like you care. And so this is our model at the Trampoline Group and the one that we use in all of our training programs. And it stands for context, action, result, and engage. So if you can just remember that, then you can always give great feedback in a way that's specific, that uh, helps people understand what they did well or what they need to do better, uh, the impact of that, and they feel a part of the conversation. So context is, you know, yesterday's meeting was really important. It was a big deal for us. And I know you worked really hard on it. So context. I saw you knock the ball out of the park with that presentation. You were amazing. You handled all the questions really well. You even had a couple of pushback things where you just, you didn't blink an eye and you didn't break a sweat. You included everyone. You were right on time. Your pacing was awesome. Your beautiful slides. You were so well prepared. I was really proud to sit and watch you in action yesterday in that meeting. And the result, of course, now is that the client, uh, after coming in with some reservations, feels really confident about our plan in a way that I don't think even they expected. So well done, high five. And what was it that was different this time? Like, what was it for you that really made the difference and set you up to 
give such a great performance yesterday. So I've just given you the context. I've told you what you did. I've told you what the result was. And now I want to open a up a conversation about what it was you did that was different this time that helped you knock it out of the park. I love the way, well, I love all of that, but I really love this idea of asking questions because we forget that feedback is not just a lecture. It's not, it's not a one-way communication. It's a conversation, just like setting expectations, right? A lot of the time we end up having to give feedback because we weren't clear about expectations in the beginning and then the performance misses the mark. And so we end up in a feedback loop instead of actually having a dialogue from the, from the beginning about you know, clear expectations. So that's an issue too, but if we yeah, stick with the Yeah, I want to spend feedback, a second on that. Let's talk about yeah. that with expectations because that's a, that's a two-way, right? Yeah. Give us the Alan Ibbotson on expectations. It, it should always be a conversation. Assume there will always be questions. If you're delegating something or you're handing over a project to a member of your team, assume that there will be questions. Don't just hit and run, right? Because... Everybody's got different work styles. Everybody produce, you know, kind of processes information differently. Some people are very linear in their thinking. Some people are more, you know, creative in the way that they approach problem solving. And you might, you usually are, in fact, missing something in your communication of what it is that you're asking them to do. And if you stop and listen, you'll find out what that is, and you'll actually be able to answer those questions, and you're more likely to set them up for success. But a lot of time we don't do that. And then we end up having to give feedback later. And it's like, oh, I can't believe you didn't do that thing that I forgot to tell you to do. I deal with that not infrequently. You know, one of the things I have to be honest is the speed at which people are expected to work now. So yeah. not asking questions is part of the, um, you know, corner cutting. And so... So we have that, just people just like dive in because we've got to get it done. And you're reminding me, it's really powerful how essential it is to ask questions and just even what are the expectations? Because now part of where I see this too is when uh, departments work together or um, and people are doing things that they haven't done before for writing things that people don't even know what to ask, don't even ask things like, you know, I've had to learn as a coach, like how do you like things to be delivered? How any number of things. So that is a powerful reminder. And then also we talk about this too. It's better to have an awkward conversation and have someone be a little bit annoyed that you're asking questions now than really pissed off later. Yes. I mean, we've actually just had to design a program for a client because they have a lot of new people, younger people that have started in the company in the last couple of years. And they're not getting necessarily always clear expectations. They lack confidence asking for help or speaking up and uh, getting their bosses to be clear. They're not necessarily getting the feedback that they need in order to continue to develop and grow in, in the role. And they're kind of stuck and they're worried about losing these folks. And so what we find ourselves doing now is tackling the problem on both ends, right? And so we're training managers in clear expectations and giving feedback like you care and being specific and helping people feel good as you simultaneously develop them and improve the standards of the work. And we're helping people have develop the confidence to speak up and ask questions when their boss is delegating something to them or giving them a piece of work. We're saying, be self-aware, understand if you 
if you have the time or if you have all the knowledge or the experience or the skills that you need in order to do what is being asked of you and speak up if you feel that you don't and take responsibility for asking for it and making sure that you get the support that you need. Because managers, like you said before, at the very beginning of this conversation, they get so many get promoted on the basis of their ability to, you know, do a job and, and do something technical or their expertise or their profession, but they're not necessarily trained as managers. And so they don't really do a very good job of communicating expectations, giving feedback, keeping people motivated. They just push work away and expect it to be done, not understanding that there's a human on the end of that that needs support, encouragement, clarity, regular feedback, and to know and feel that what they do is valuable and that they themselves are valuable to the overall effort. How in the managing up do we ask questions in a productive way and not to sound um, whiny or needy? And I'm not starting to be pejorative, but what I'm getting at is it is it's an aspect of managing up that can make a difference in your career and show that you are smart and engaged. On the mm-hmm. other hand, it can actually undermine you sometimes and show kind of an immaturity or what might be seen as a little, you know, like, a, uh, I hate to say it, but like a laziness. Like I'm asking these yeah. questions because I want someone else to deal with this. Yeah. And so what I, I what I was actually specifically getting at is any advice or techniques around how to ask questions to successfully manage up and manage your boss who might need some managing. Yeah, I think the first thing is to communicate what you understand about the project already. So, okay, so just to be, just so we'll make sure I'm clear, my understanding is that this is for this audience. We need to uh, have first draft ready by Friday and uh, it needs to include all this key information. Is there anything that I'm missing there that is particularly important to you or that has come up since we had our last conversation about it? Actually, yes, there is. This, 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 this. Oh, great. Okay. And is there, is there an example of perhaps a presentation that was similar that went really well that you'd like me to look at as a model for, for what you'd like to see here? Actually, yes. You know, if you call Jane over in you know this department, she's got a copy of it. It's one that we did on the 5th of July last year. Okay. So you're talking about it in context. You're curious. You're taking responsibility for success. You're not just asking questions. Well, uh, when is it due? And uh, uh, how do I do it? And you know, questions that actually you should be able to figure out for yourself. You're taking responsibility for success and you're asking your boss for information that helps him or her or them understand that you have got it, you're on it. And actually your questions are rooted in competence and curiosity, right? You're not just being annoying. You're not just taking up their time. And that actually they have an obligation to answer those questions. And it's in their interest to do so. Okay, that is so spot on. Thank you so much, Alan. Because I mean, that is great advice for anyone as a performer, not only in the office setting, but you know, in the on-camera setting. Because again, it's like I'm taking responsibility for my performance here and for our collective success. I'm asking this question. Oh, God, I love that. You know, it raises an interesting point too, because I was having a conversation earlier on today uh, it was part of a coaching conversation I was having, and somebody said, well, you know, I really shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to get mm. my boss to do that, right? It was the sort of the should thing. And they weren't wrong. They were absolutely not wrong. 
but sometimes it's more a case of, well, do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? Because it's an imperfect world. We are working with managers who are imperfect, but it doesn't mean that they're trying to set you up for failure. It means often that they just haven't thought of it or you know, they're so rushed and stressed themselves that they haven't given a second thought to the impact of that on you. And if they have high stress tolerance, they're going to miss the things that stress you out because they don't even come across their radar. So if you can be just tuned into the fact that you might have unclear expectations, you might not be getting feedback, you can go ask for both. You can go ask for both. And actually, if you are somebody who's capable of doing a good job and you're you know, otherwise you know, motivated, tenacious, all the things, then that will be welcomed and assume that it will be. And you know what? If it isn't, that says more about the manager than it does about you. And that's not your problem, it's theirs. Okay, so much good stuff in there. One, I want to acknowledge 100%. I deal with this in one-on-one, not infrequently. The frustration, to your point, that's like, I shouldn't have to teach people or tell the people that this is how this thing works. I'm like, sure. But to your point, you could go sit with that and your righteous indignation all day long, or you could have a hit show. Exactly. (laughs) Your choice. Um, Two, I recently saw um, Abby Wamba gave the amazing commencement address at my son's college graduation recently at LMU in Los Angeles. And among the so many powerful nuggets. She actually talked about something and this goes back to the courageous conversation part and taking risk. And this is can be managing up or down, but really also peer to peer. Is she talked about the number of times she's put herself out there, like let's say being the only woman at the table or in any number of situations and afterwards people privately giving her feedback. Loved what you said. That was amazing. And her running back going, thank you. It would have been really great if you'd said something in the meeting. So not necessarily a question around that, but any thoughts or ways to encourage us to be able to take that risk and to communicate courageously, because that hit me in the solar plexus on both sides, where I realized there's so many instances where I was like, you know what, I've been, I've been not, you know, I've had dismal lack of courage in that situation. And I've also been the point where I put myself out there and got so many wonderful private notes, but nobody had my back in real time. Yeah. And it's an issue of courage. And I think that that's also at the heart of why so many people hold back from giving feedback, right? Is they're afraid of a defensive reaction. It's a lack of confidence in your own skill set. If you can't give feedback or you're nervous or afraid to give it, that is a lack of confidence in your ability to handle what happens next when you do. And it's a lack of confidence in your own skill set in being able to deliver it in a way that the other person can hear it. But often, of course, what happens is they say, oh, well, he's, you know, he's very sensitive. So we, we're going to wait on that. We're going to have that conversation later. Just, you know, play the long game. So, okay, play, play the long game, which is complete bullshit, right? Because he could use this information right now. If he's going to show up and not be a mansplainer in that meeting, or he's going to stop talking to other people, we need to tell him, right? And so then if you're the person who speaks and say, can you stop interrupting me? What you need in that moment is somebody to say, yes, please stop interrupting, Barbara, and have the courage to do that and to say that and to stand up for you and most importantly with you 
rather than just come to you afterwards and say, well done for sticking up for yourself. That's not helpful. Not That's helpful. not helpful to you. And and honestly, I, you know, Abby's right. It's like that's a real lack of moral courage in the moment. You know what's right and wrong. This jerk has just been interrupting you for the last 15 minutes. But you're not going to say something? Why is that? You know that's not okay. Everybody in the room knows that's not okay. Stop putting up with it. Back each other up. Have some courage. We need courage. Courage, courage, courage. We need so much courage. Alan, where can people get more of your wisdom? Well, we have wisdom you didn't ask for, hashtag wide across, across all the platforms, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. We're starting on TikTok, allegedly, maybe. I think there's one up there, but I promise to be better. And uh, of course, at the Trampoline Group, my company, we're also on LinkedIn there. And we have a company page, the Trampoline Group. And what do you do with the trampoline group? Because I want I want everyone to understand this is, you know, just a, an amuse-bouche of what you get with Alan. So because you work with big global corporations and you work with individuals and you make everyone's life better. So can you explain a little bit about what you do? Yeah. So we're on a mission to make work a great place to spend half your life because you do. And you've heard me say that before, Barbara, I know. And it's because I really believe that we spend so much time working that I strongly believe that that should be a great experience, which means you should have a great manager. You should have colleagues that are supportive and that you might even be able to you know, call your friends if uh, the environment is right. But essentially that you're doing work that you feel is meaningful, that you feel connected to the purpose of uh, you know, the organization, the company, that what you do matters. We all deserve that. We spend too much time at work to not feel good about it. And so that's, what we do. And we do it through executive coaching, uh, helping leaders get out of their own way, deal with stress, resilience, emotional intelligence, empathy, leadership skills, feedback skills, handling conflict, all the things. And then we run classes on those things too for mid-level managers in all sorts of companies, but a lot in entertainment, media, branding, marketing, advertising, and then a healthy smattering of organizations that are more maybe in finance or commercial real estate or uh, ad tech and startups and things like that. Mm. We need more you and trampoline group in this world. And also just to hit home again with the listeners, it's how much this intersects feedback with leadership. And something I think you taught me a long time ago is even when you're you know in a group setting and someone asks, do you have any questions? Raising your hand is a, is a, Mm -hmm. A brave and powerful thing. You have to use your power. You know, and you have to use your power. You have to speak up. You have to stand up for the person who's, you know, maybe being bullied in the meeting or not getting a fair shake at success, maybe not being noticed and given projects that would help raise their profile, even when they have the skill set. You got to do it. And um, when it comes to, this is a separate topic, but when it comes to inclusive environments that really truly honor diversity and equity and inclusion, I have a bee in my bonnet about the fact that there is so much power centered with white men and they're not using it for good. Mm. And they're not using it to lift up women, 
and, pe and people of color in particular, even when they see stuff that they know is wrong. And so I have a bee in my bonnet about that, and maybe that's the next thing I'm going to talk about. But I think that, again, it goes back to courage. It mm. goes back to courage. And some of the bravest people I know and the bravest people I see in the workplace are the people who are marginalized because they have to speak up in order to be heard. They can't just walk into a room and assume that everybody's going to hear them. They're braver. And um, we could all use a little bit more of that. Mm. Oh, Alan, okay, you're coming back for the Alan trifecta. And next time <laughs> we're going to tap into more of this conversation. J'adore you. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you're interested in one-on-one -on -one training with me for you or your team, please shoot me a note and please be sure to visit ableintermedia.com and download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.